We're delighted to have uh, Brother Bauman with us. He is a Metro missionary to Boston, Massachusetts, uh, the cold northeast, uh, not spiritually, just physically. And uh, we're thankful that he's here with us. Um, we are grateful that we can help share in the mission in Boston. Even though we're here, our prayers and our support is going to reach all the way to Boston. Let's welcome him tonight to Greater Life Church. Amen. 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 Well, you may be seated. Um, Thank you, Brother Hughes, so very, very much for allowing me to come and be here with you all. Um, isn't God good? You know, in the presence of God, anything is possible. Anything is possible. He's possible to do things that even when you don't feel it, he's there and he's able to do something. Even when you don't believe it, God is able to do something. Because he's God all by himself. He doesn't need our faith to be strong. He is strong. He is love. He is peace. He is joy. So whatever you're expecting here today, I hope that you just take it up one notch and say, all right, Brother Bauman, I'm not going to sit back. We're going to have church tonight. You come here to have church tonight? That's what we're going to have today. Amen. I, I, um, I do have a video, but I realize uh, my wife is sick. And um, so I'm kind of forgetting some of the other parts that she takes care of. So there is a video, so we'll pretend that you watched it and you liked it and it was all good. Um, has anybody here ever been to Boston, Massachusetts before? All right. Wow. Okay. All right. So we got some people. So you know it's known as Beantown, Boston, Massachusetts, where you lose the R's and you pick them up and you put them on other words. So it's uh, go park the car down by Habit Yard. But... Um, um, I'm not originally from, uh, my video kind of talks a little bit about it, so I'm just going to say some of these things, and then we're going to go ahead and, and have church. Um, I was pastoring in Minnesota for 17 years, and um, we watched on how God, we, start, we went to a, a rural town. Um, the next nearest church to us is about over two hours away, and uh, there was a, a congregation uh, when we went there 17 years ago, about 15 people, and that was including my family of five. And we watched on how God grew that area, and we, we got influence and favor in that city. And it's a city only of 13,000 people, and God grew it to be over 230 that will show up every Sunday morning. So God's doing great things in a town of 13,000 people. But in Boston, Massachusetts, there are more than 14,000 people every square mile. Every square mile. And when Boston, and Boston, when they have Harvard and MIT and all the other colleges around there, they, they come, they, they're all the people are there. The city is almost five point, well, it is 5.9 million people in that metro area. So almost 6 million people. And when God called me and my wife, we weren't, we weren't looking at going to Boston. We were loving it in our church. Things were happening. People were coming. We would have visitors every Sunday. People were getting the Holy Ghost. We had Bible studies going on, discipleship. We had a ministry team, leadership team. We finally feel like we were getting everybody paddling in the same direction and things were going good. And, and we didn't have no flood. <laughs> we, we don't have floods up there. We, we just have snow and cold. So, um, 
And so everything was going good, and we were just on vacation. So let's be careful where you go to vacation because, you know, God might call you there. And we were just on vacation. I'm originally from North Dakota. I didn't want anything to do with the big city. I didn't want to go there. I didn't want anything to do with that. Um, I raised my kids on a, we were raised on a farm. Um, in fact, while I was part of youth committee at one time, we went to a, um, a hotel and I brought my kids with, and it was a big youth convention thing. And, and, uh, said, well, we're going to go ahead and order pizza. And my daughter looks at me and says, well, aren't you going to go and get it? And I said, no, they're going to bring it to us to the door. That's when I realized, man, they've been on the farm way too long. <laughs> they got electricity in the big city, sweetie. <laughs> so anyway, um, so we went to Boston. We were on vacation. What started was my daughter. She went on a um, missions trip to um, Madagascar. And uh, she was going to fly out of New York City at the age of 17 after staying overnight in New York City by herself. And then having to go to, to uh, JFK, and I was like, there is no way in the world I'm letting my little girl there. So we went on a family vacation, and uh, we, we fell in love with the area, and, um, and we liked uh, all the different things, seeing I love history. But me and my wife then went on vacation five years later after that. We were there with my oldest son, and we were just walking in Boston Commons. And if you've been to Boston Commons, you're, you know that how old it is. It's the first park ever in America. And um, so we were walking, and they were walking around there. And the whole time, I was just feeling such a burden. But you can have a burden for an area, but not a calling. And so I was thinking God was just getting me stirred up and getting ready for one of my ministers to go to Boston. And we were just going to partner with them and we were going to make it happen. And I was already thinking of dreams and, and how we would do outreach there. And I would fly into that city and I would help them to get started. I, I could already envision all this. And, and then the next day, I'm just, you know, I was talking with my son about it. And he goes, Dad, we're on vacation. Let's not talk shop. And I'm like, oh, all right, we, we're not going to talk shop. We're not going to talk about church stuff and how we'd start a church here. And as we're walking along down by the, by the uh, goose pond, you know, where they paddle, they have the paddles. If you've been there, where they, um, they paddle, and it's the same family that's owned it ever since they started it. And um, God just hit me and my wife. And we just sat there, and we just started crying that morning there on a bench. And God said, this is where I want you to go, and I want you to start a church here. And we weren't expecting that. We weren't wanting to do that. And so we were, we were like, well, God, there's got to be, you know, it's Boston, Massachusetts. And where, where I used to pastor in Minnesota, you know, we already have like 20-some, 20 26 churches just in the metro area in Minneapolis-St. Paul area. So I'm thinking Boston, Massachusetts is one of the oldest cities in America, thinking there would be hundreds of churches, UPC churches there. Do you know how many churches there are for almost as, now the number, 6 million which that means that's almost as large as the whole Houston area, metro area. You know how many UPC churches there are? Three. There's only three UPC churches in that entire area. Just today, we had a phone call, uh, not a phone call, a, a text message from somebody that saw we're going to Boston. They said, I've got a family member that's hungry, and they're wanting a Bible study, and they live up by... Um, are you sure you've heard of uh, uh, Salem? Anybody ever heard of Salem? It's a, it's a city that's now full of witchcraft. They literally have wicked churches. Like a church like this, instead of being um, any Christian church, they'll say Church of Wicca or Satanic Church or all kinds of craziness like that. 
There are people there that are hungry. In order for someone, for that young man to go to a Bible study, just to go to a Bible study or go to the nearest church, he would have to, it would take him over an hour and a half just one way to get to church. He would have to, first of all, take a bus. From that bus, he would jump onto a train. From that train, he would ride that train, the subway system. Then after he gets off that, he'd go onto another bus. Then from that bus, then he would have to walk four to five blocks from the nearest church that would be there, which would be on the other side, just to have church. Now, he's a young man. He's in college. He's a backslidden Pentecostal of five generations of Pentecostals. And now he's been, he's been baptized in Jesus' name. He's been filled with the Holy Ghost. He walked away from God. He's going to college there. And now he's calling out, asking, I, I want something to change in my life. I realize all this isn't mattering. And he's looking for a church to attend. And there's nowhere to attend. So me and my wife, we're starting to start having Bible studies just over Facebooking and and um, over the iPad and, and, and doing FaceTime back and forth just because there's people there that need God and there's no opportunity for them. None. So that's why me and my wife and uh, my kids are grown. Our two youngest are at Urshan Bible College right now. And um, they will be all joining us there in Boston. God is wanting to do something great there. This is, uh, Sister Flo Shaw said this. She was giving a conference out in New England, and she said this. She said that in the Boston, New York, and D.C. area, there is a triad of demonic vice, de, um, demons that, that rule over those areas. And she said, when we take those down, there will be a revival that will break through America like never before. I believe that. I believe that. More and more people are moving to city areas. But unfortunately, there's not churches that are starting in city areas. We are, we're pulling back because of expenses. We're pulling back because of the liberal mindset. But there's nothing else there to combat what they're being taught. They need hope. Boston is the number one millennial city in America. It has more millennials there than any other city in America. Now, this is a generation that now is bigger than the baby boomers. This is the generation that if you look up, even just Google it, and talk about some of the different things that are unique to this generation, this generation wants their life to matter. They want to do something of significance. They are willing to sacrifice riches, things, and stuff like that because they want to connect. They are one of the most widely connected or networked generations. They grew up on the cell phone. They grew up with Facebook. They grew up with Instagram. Every time they eat lunch, somebody knows about it. Mm, Yeah, that's a good place to go. We have websites that are making millions of dollars because of the connections. And I believe... That when we go there, God is going to do a great and mighty work. And it's going to spread like unbelievably because through that millennial, you start saving and reaching. God is going to do some amazing things. Now, this is the thing. I asked God, you know, God, how do you want me to go to Boston? I, I thought of all kinds of different ways. Everything from flying back and forth to being pastoring there and pastoring there and and try to think of all the different ways that I could try to do it. And God told me to go this way through Metro Missionaries. And this was the reason why. is because when something is that God wants to do in Boston needs to happen, can't happen just because me and my wife show up. 
It's not going to be because of a church. It's going to be because of the church shows up. And there's something about when we bind together in prayer, God wanted me, and I'm going to ask you all to stand with me here today. I'm not going to keep on asking you to stand up and down, but if you will, stand with me here today, because I want us to pray. And, And God told me this, to have every church pray for Boston. Because when we bind together, when your prayers, you just do the counting of all the different places and all the different churches every week and different places that I'm at, all these people just giving a prayer for Boston, even if you only do it one time a week, can you imagine the impact that's going to happen? I want to tell you, I'm feeling it. I know it, that God is doing things. I'm getting phone calls, and at every church I go to, there's a, a person in Oklahoma and Brother Jones Church, that he was telling me, I've been teaching my, my sister, first time ever that he's ever been able to. She's a something, something, hide, got all kinds of degrees behind her name. And she's, and she's now, she, he's having a Bible study. He goes, you know what you need? You need to read Acts. Read the Acts. And the very next day, she texts him back and says, that was an extra interesting book. I read it all. And she goes, and then she was studying, studying the Greek and the Hebrew already of it. He was like, whoa, let's, let's just get to some of the other meanings. She says, I already see the oneness. I see that it's there. But there's no church even near her. God is already starting it. He's already doing it. And so I want us, if we could, just pray together. Whatever God lays on your, hand, on your heart to bind, just bind it. Just bind it in the name of Jesus. Pray for it. If it's a, if something that you feel like God is wanting to do, just do it and just pray for it. And what I feel like God has said is that whatever we pray for there in Boston, also pray for it in your church because there's a connection that God is wanting to do. God is wanting to do it in your life, in your church, in your family, in your friends. Just as much in Boston, he wants to do it here. See, Boston is a firstborn. And just because the devil occupies something doesn't mean he owns it. He maybe occupies it right now, but he doesn't own it. It's already been blood What it's needing to have is the church need to show up with an anointing and power of God. I don't need to be great because he's great all by himself. And God is going to do a great work. So let's pray together here in the name of Jesus. I pray that, Lord God, in your name, God, in this time right now, in this church, Lord God, as we bind together, Lord God, did you...
thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let's just give God a hand clap of praise here. Amen, amen, amen. If you will, grab your Bibles with me here today. I do feel like God laid something on my heart for us here today. Amen, amen. Oh, it's good living for God. It's good living for God. Give God your very best and you'll never regret it. You'll never regret it. Every day to the fullness. Amen. If you take your Bibles and turn with me to Jonah, sorry, chapter 1, verse number 1. Jonah, chapter 1, verse number 1. Now, I know that when as I'm going here to this story, there's lots of different things that we see, maybe as even preached many times. But there's something that I just want to bring out to us today, and it's simply um, to say yes to God. There's something powerful about when we just simply say yes to God. See, many times we like to say yes to God when we feel it, when we feel like we got the plan all together, when we feel like there is little risk and a lot of reward. That's the way that we want to live our lives. We, we, we tend nowadays to be more motivated by fear than we do faith. We can scare people into heaven more than we can get people to take that truly next step of living and walking with God each and every day. So today, I just have a very simple message, just as saying yes to God. Jonah chapter 1, verse number 1, and it says this, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of, I'm going to mess up that, Pastor. How would you say that? Midianite. Saying, uh, going on to verse number 2, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it for the wickedness is come up before me. Amen. If you will, go ahead and put your Bibles down. And I want us just to pray and say, God, give me a yes in my spirit, in my heart, in my actions. God, I pray to Lord God that here today, that God, Lord, we would simply have a yes spirit. God, Lord, that we would be asking you what yes, Lord God, what you're wanting us to say to God, I pray, Lord God, though there's people here today, Lord God, Lord, you're wanting them to go further than they've ever gone before. God, to do greater things, Lord God, than ever before. I pray, Lord God, in this place today, release, Lord God, an attitude and a spirit of faith and trusting and relying on you. Lord, let it not be God ours. Let it not be my words, but let God be your words. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. You may be seated. Life is all full of choices. Every day we make choices. Some we make and we're, they're, they're just automatic. We don't even think about it. Sometimes there are choices we make are convenience. Sometimes it's out of desire. Sometimes it's out of a need or a want or something that just reminds us. You know, you walk by a, a candy machine and instantly, you know, you want Skittles. You walk by the door and whatever pair of shoes is laying there, you know, in North Dakota and, and in Minnesota, it's very cold. And if you got to take the garbage out, you are not running out in bare feet. There is no way in the world. So it doesn't matter whose shoes they are. If they're, 
your your son's shoes or your wife's shoes, you're going to put them on and his funny, buzzy bunny slippers, whatever it is, you're going to run out and then run on back in there because that was convenient and easy and then you'll kick those off. All kinds of choices we make. Sometimes we make choices or we might take a text and all of a sudden we're in traffic and don't realize and all kinds of choices. And in a moment, choices make us who we are the choices we make. Choices are like, if you will, doors that bring us into different rooms. The good choices we make, the better, more and more good choices we make, it takes us to better and better places. Sometimes people think in their life, if I just make one good choice, it'll, it will all of a sudden put me in this grand, great place. And, and that's called people that will buy the scratch off things and and if I just make this one choice, then uh, if I pick the right numbers, then, then uh, a pastor, uh, you know, just pray for me. And I had one person one time, pastor, I tell you what, I can't pay tithes now, but I- I've been playing the lottery. And when I win, I- I- I'm going to tithe. <laughs> well, I don't think he will. <laughs> well, he didn't win the lottery and, and uh, he actually isn't going to church no more. So choices. We make each and every day, and we know some of the choices here in the story, and we'll kind of go through this if you allow me just a few minutes. Jonah made some choices here. We find that God asked him. He wanted him to go to Nineveh. I want you to go to a city. Now, he didn't want to go, and it's oddly enough that where he was at was uh, uh, in the city is also where Peter was at when he was called to go and reach somebody that he wasn't so sure of going and reaching. And here we find then that Jonah, then he rose and he, 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 he rose and he got up, but he didn't go the right way. He fleed. The scripture goes on and says, and he fleed from the presence of the Lord. Look to your neighbor and say, that ain't good. He got up and he tried to get away from God. He tried to somehow thinking, well, if I go ahead and I'll just get up and God wants me to go here, so then I'll just go here. Well, that ain't going to work. And Jonah went ahead and tried, and he went ahead and bought his ticket. He got onto the boat, as we know. And the Lord sent a great wind. And the wind started blowing. And the storm started happening. And things weren't going right. Sometimes God, what he's trying to do is get our attention and let us know that he's always there. So you got to understand that God's plan for your life is far bigger than you could ever imagine. God is great and he's merciful and he's loving and he's kind. And you will find that throughout the story of Jonah. You will constantly see God's mercy along the whole way. See, we find here in the story, he goes ahead, the storm starts coming up, the ship was about to be broken, the people on the ship, they're all panicking, they're trying to do everything they can. Now we find ourselves in verse number five. And it says, they were afraid and cried every man unto his own God. Doesn't that sound a lot like our world today? Everybody is crying out to their own God. They're thinking that some people think, well, money's going to make it happen for me. If I got enough money, that'll be my God. Then I'll be, I'll be, I'll be safe. Then I'll be secure. If I had enough money, then I'll feel better about who I am. Then I'll feel like I'm more successful. No, if I get that degree or if I get that really cute boy. Then, then, then the whole world, if I got enough likes on my Instagram or uh, on my Facebook or, or if I get that really pretty girl or if, or if I get that promotion or if I get that car or that house or, or whatever that it is. 
Our world is consumed today with crying out to its gods. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's drugs. If I, just get, if I could just get one more good feeling, uh, and then, then I'll be made right. Then I can kick the habit. Then, then my life will be all right. Our world today is consumed with it, and it's all becoming more and more about self. And if we're not careful, it drips into our own lives and into our own hearts. See, I don't know how this happened to Jonah, but Jonah obviously got to the place where, yes, he was called. Yes, he was a man of God. But when God asked him to do something, there was a no and not a yes. And so we find that these people are crying out and the ship and, and the lightning and, and they started trying to do everything they could to save themselves. And in and, and, and our world today, there's a lady that lives in Lismore, Minnesota, where I used to actually live because there's lots of small little farming towns around Worthington. She makes $1,000 an hour. Pastor, she makes $1,000 an hour. She flies out to the East Coast and she helps people with their life. They, she helps them with their, you know, choices in their marriage. She helps them with uh, choices in their finances, helps them with problems with their kids. They, they, they call her up in the middle of the night when they got problems or they're fearful or there's a promotion. You know what that's starting to sound like? Doesn't that sound like the, the family God or pastor right here? And she makes $1,000 an hour because they fly, and they fly her out there to meet with her, to see a face-to-face, to have a conversation because they're looking for something. They're doing everything they can to lighten the boat. They see that their life isn't turning out the way they thought. They done. They use their wisdom. They use their strength. They use their abilities. They went to school. They got great degrees. They got great positions, but they're losing it. They have no hope, and they're doing everything they can to keep their boats afloat in this world, and they're losing it. Because this world is needing you and I to say yes to the simplest things, and you have no idea how impactful they are. In our church in Worthington that I used to pastor, I'm sorry for using stories like this, but they're actually the only stories I know. I don't know your stories. There was a, when our, our church was starting to, starting to grow and we, um, we started changing our music and they, they no longer let me sing. And if your pastor heard me sing, they know why they don't let me sing in my church. And we had a praise team and, and, and she was really new at it. And we were singing that song, Shout to the Lord for Triumph. And, um, and, uh, and we were just singing it and they were singing it really well and they all had good voices and they were down to the right beat and they got to that place and she just simply did this. She went, woo. And everybody in church was like, okay. Next time they came around, she just went, woo, a little bit louder. Wow. And then this is totally out of character for her. And then she did it one more time. And after that, one more time, other people in the church started doing it. And then it changed from that point on. It changed the environment of our worship by one lady because God laid on her heart simply to go, woo, while she was singing. And everybody in the church, they got a hold of that. They started saying, yeah, let me be worshiped more than just singing some words. Let me be worshipful and just giving God the praise. Let me step out a little bit of my comfort zone and see what God will do. And it unlocked something in our church. One moment, one thing. 
You have no idea how much God wants to use you. There were two young girls in our church. There were twin girls. And we went to uh, Youth Congress. And uh, they got a burden for P7 Club. So they, they, they were just new in high school. Um, they were, you know, nervous about it all, feeling, you know, awkward going to the big school and, and all that. And, and they, God hit them with a burden to start a P7 club. So they came to me and they asked, and I said, yes, let's do it. And, and I, I was, you know, I'm, I'm for it. Let's, let's do whatever we got to do. And they went to the principal, and, and at first he said no, but they went back again, and he said yes. And then they had, the, you know, all the process of finding a teacher. And, and make the long story short is this, that they would go, even it was just the two of them, they, would, they got a job, and they started buying the juice and, and donuts and all those kind of things and figuring out how they were going to do it. They would go babysitting. They started this ministry because God asked them to do it seemed insignificant. It seemed like it didn't really matter. But eventually, you know what happened? Today, there's over 60 people every week in three different schools that are having a Bible study on Wednesday morning before school even starts because two girls said yes to God. Now, it even gets better than that. One of the high schools, it's a nearby town, one of the high schools, the Catholic Church found out about it. Now teachers are coming, and teachers are started coming to church. The principal started coming and saying, I just want to sit in. There's something about these. And, and they just they come early on Wednesday morning for these girls and these boys to teach a Bible study that the teachers are coming to. And some of it started coming to our church because of it. And then the Catholic church in that town, because that was that's the big church in this other small town, Catholic church found out about it and says, you know what? We're going to go ahead and pay for whatever your donuts, juice, whatever you want to serve every week. You just put it on our tab at the grocery store in town, and that's what we want to do for you. Now the Catholic Church is paying for our P7 club. How about that? How about that? I'm telling you, you have no idea when you simply say yes, God has already got things in order. He's already working behind the scene when he asks you. He's already ready. He's already ready. So Jonah, we find him. It says that he was laying fast asleep. See, when you start saying no to God and you start running from God, there's a sleep that falls over you. Church, we can't afford to be asleep. The storm is raging. And we can't have any sleeping saints in this storm. We need everybody doing what they can do to change this around. Jonah was asleep, and it even came to the place where we drop down to verse number six that, that a guy comes down there and he wakes him up. What do you mean is sleeping? How in the world, in verse number six, are you sleeping in the midst of the storm? Of course, we know the story. Then they, they find out that Jonah is the reason why this is happening. They, they cast lots, and then they go, why could you? How could you? And they find, ask who you are. See, there is something different about you when you get baptized in Jesus' name. And you get filled with the Holy Ghost. There is something uniquely different about you. Your life is forever different. It's forever different. God always is looking for you no matter where you go or what happens to you. God is always looking for you. And God still has a plan to use you. Let me say that again. God still has a plan to use you. 
You might have said no, but all it takes is saying yes today, and you will step right into where God wants you to be. And God has already been ready and waiting. Ready and waiting for it. So we find in Jonah's life, if you look at the whole story, and I'm not going to go through the whole story, I am so sorry. It's almost 10 o'clock. We've got to get out of here. Just kidding. <laughs> a lot of people looked at the lock. Wow. <laughs> you'll find that if you look at this whole story, you'll find that God's mercy, over and over God's mercy, he gets thrown into the sea, the sea goes quiet. God already created a fish. Now, I don't know how long it took for that fish to get that big, but I'm thinking it probably took some time. God already, you understand, God's already got things in order. God already has a plan. He is organized and he is a planner. And he has already has a plan. All he's always waiting for is you to do the right thing. We find here that, that you find God's mercy constantly. He says no. He even gets to the place where he's mad at God. At one point where he's sitting underneath the tree and the tree starts to die and, and he sees that Nineveh is spared because God doesn't need you. What he needs is a yes from you, an obedient, faithful heart. Faith with works is what God is looking for. And when we do that, God steps into that and God says, there it is. God is always, the Bible says, looking for where he can show himself strong because it's his glory. See, when God asks us to do something, we might have a small step, a small part in the master plan of God. But it's going to be God that gets the glory. It's always going to be bigger than you can do. I don't know what dreams, I don't know who you are that I'm preaching this for, but I'm telling you, God is getting ready to do something great. And he's leading you and I to simply say some yeses, and God is going to work like he's never worked before. You're going to see a revival like you've never seen a revival. God is getting ready to do some things in our lives if we will simply start saying yes. Saying yes. He will provide you will see that he constantly provided. He constantly had a plan. And God wants to use you. God wants to use you. Now, there's another story I want to refer to, and then we'll close this up here. Peter, when God called Peter, Peter was fishing. He just had the worst and the best day he had ever had all in one time. He had the worst. We worked all night. We didn't get nothing. Jesus says, throw it on the other side. He says, all right, at your, at your word. At your word. See, it's not going to be our word. See, my plan was to stay in Worthington. My plan is to grow churches. That's a good thing. But God's got something better. God's got something different. We've got to go by what his word is, not our word. See, our plans are not always God's plans. Our thoughts are not his thoughts. Our ways are not his ways. But when we simply say yes, we allow ourselves to be in a place where God then does amazing things. Peter left that day, everything. We find in the word of God, when he left that fish, he left the boats, he left the nets. Now, I don't know about you, but if I would have left those fish, I would have been like, all right, Jesus, I'm coming with you, but uh, we got to get all these fish to the market. and uh, Give me a little walking cash. <laughs> He just got had the best day. He had to call people to help him. And, and here, here, this is what's going on. But he left it all to go ahead and follow with a yes. 
See, there's also the other story of the rich young ruler. He was asked to give up everything and follow him too. But he answered with a no. And went away sad. Peter's life, not perfect, but God had a plan. Not perfect. He wasn't perfect. He messed up. He did things that weren't always what God wanted to do. In fact, he had God looked at him one time and said, get thee behind me, Satan. Right after he got done saying, God showed you something great. But when we say yes to God, we put ourselves in a place that God can do great things. So in closing, if you'll stand with me here today. See, there are a few different things that we have to get to the point of. We have to stop seeing, we have to start seeing our past through God's eyes. See, sometimes we look at our past and all we see is a negativity. All we see is the failures. All we see is the regret. All we see is all the choices we could have made that we didn't make. See, God looks at those and he can look at those and say those are learning experiences. You can't change those now. So get your eyes on him. Or maybe you're looking at your past and you're saying, well, I, I thought I would be already here at this point. I thought I'd be doing this at this point. And, and I thought I, I, would, I would be this or I would be that. And it ain't happening. And you're sitting there with a dream that you feel like God has asked you to do something. And, and it hasn't happened yet. So we have to stop looking at things through our own understanding. See, when I was a kid, when I didn't do something right which I didn't do a lot of things right. My mom would tune me up a little bit. Now, I thought she was the meanest lady around. Boy, she just, she just liked giving spankings. I remember now, it wasn't child abuse. Okay, I'll let me just say that. But we had a, a white belt that my mom used. Different times, different rules, whatever you want to say. We hid that belt. Me and my sister... Oh, my mom, she was so mad. When I find that belt, oh, you better tell me where it is. Oh, we were not going to tell her where that was. No way. Uh-uh. There was times where I was like nervous, like the little game. Well, if I tell you, nope, nope, I'm not going to say nothing. We just sat there and we're fearful. <laughs> See, I can look at back at that and I can think, man, she was just mean. No, that wasn't the truth. There's been different times in your life where God's told you no. Because he wanted you to say yes to something else. Sometimes we've got to stop looking at it through our own eyes and start looking at it through God's eyes. We have to stop filtering things through our will, but start filtering them through God's will. Now, that's easy to say, and that's another thing to do. Because Jonah filtered it always through his will. God, I, I don't want to go, so I won't go. God, I, that doesn't make me feel comfortable. That's going to be sacrifice. That's not going to be easy. What would people say? That's not what I planned. That's not what I thought. See, those are all our will, filtering it through. we got to start filtering it through God's will, not our will. Stop expecting 
or thinking that it's our experience, our know-how, our ability, our own power, our own ingenuity. It's got to make it happen. That's not how it's going to happen. See, God doesn't want to share his glory with nobody. With nobody. We want God to empower us, equip us. Give us, give us, give us sometimes this, this, this. And then I'll be able to do it. When God says, I just want you to go and stand and see the glory and the power of God work. And you already have, just like Moses. Moses, what's in your hand? It's a staff. You already have what God needs you to have. You already have it. To say yes. Then to start expecting the amazing. Dream big. You have a big God. You have a big God. The whole reason I'm in church today is because a whole missionary church said we're going to have Friends Day back in the 80s. So a a lady said, I'm going to go ahead and pray for And they were all praying for who they were going to invite to church for that church service. Just one person. And God laid on her heart the meanest, (laughs) gossiping, lady that she knew and she worked with and she said God anybody but her anybody but her I don't even want to go I don't even want to work with her let alone go to church with her that was my aunt (laughs) she invited her see she had no idea that God was already working on their life she had no idea that they were no longer even going to the Catholic church She had no idea how hungry. They had no idea what they're going through in their family. When she invited her to that service, she had no idea that just inviting that one person, and the Bible says from that one person, ended up being, in my family, literally hundreds that came from that one Bible study. I got to watch my grandpa get healed of cancer. I got to watch my grandpa, that his brother was a priest, (laughs) get baptized in the lovely name of Jesus, filled with the Holy Ghost, at the age of 76 years old. And when they decided to get baptized, he grabbed my grandma's hand and he said, we're going to do this together. And the presence of God just fell in that living room and they just started crying. Folks, see, you have no idea what one yes one yes that God has God has already got a great plan he's already got a great plan so today closing closing Ephesians chapter 3 verse number 20 says now unto him that's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or even think oh According to the power that works in us. So today, I don't know if it's a yes that you, what your yes, your yes needs to be. Your step here today be, might need to get baptized in Jesus' name. Oh, and if you do, your life will change. 
you'll never regret it. Just like that, God can change you. Maybe it's the Holy Ghost and you just need to have the faith to say, I want the Holy Ghost. And you can just come up here today and God can feel you full of the Holy Ghost. Maybe God's been asking you to go reach out to someone or touch or teach them a Bible study or invite them to church. Or, or maybe God's laid on your heart to do something around here at the church. Pastor, what do you need done? Need somebody to vacuum? I'll, I'll vacuum. You need me to straighten out chairs? I'll start straightening out chairs. Need some maintenance to get done? I'll, I'll, I'll do that. Whatever that it is. But whatever that it is that God is laying on your heart to say yes to, I'm here to tell you today, God's got it. God's got a plan. And you have no idea. You have no idea how far-reaching. Because when God, with a couple fish and some loaves of bread, he's got a miracle waiting for someone to say yes today. Yes today. Pastor, I don't know if I'll let you go ahead. All right. Folks, I'm going to open up this altar if that's okay. I know that it's already past the time that you normally go. But what's in the balance here today is is souls. It's people. See, we pray for God to do great things. But sometimes... Great things are held up by simply by a person saying no. If we will take that no and turn it into a yes, God. Oh, (laughs) you have no idea. I'm here to tell you, God is saying you have no idea what God is getting ready to do. I got one more story. Pastor was gone. Church was at that time only running maybe 50, 60 people. So when pastor was gone, it was like, we're just here to be faithful. (laughs) And pastor's wife, she was preaching on healing. And it was Sunday morning and it was so quiet. You could could hear the two by fours drying. It was was dead quiet. Or I'm so close to Iowa where I pastor, you can hear the corn grow. And she said, does anybody want to be prayed for? And one of my uncles, that he had fell off a grain elevator, shattered, was in a coma, had to go th- learning how to speak and all those kind of things in pain every day of his life. Second time he was ever there in church. And she just takes the oil and says, I believe it. And he went ahead and walked up there. And we're all thinking, I just, I didn't feel it, Pastor. I didn't. I don't think anybody there was feeling it. She just anointed him, and she was like, you know, I'm praying. We're all just praying. Oh, God. You know, it was like a Hail Mary. But you know what God did to that yes? He turned around. He said, I'm healed. The pain's all gone. It's all gone. It's all gone. I'm telling you, folks, simply by a yes. I don't know if it's your first time or your second time, but I'm telling you, if you say yes, God's got something in store for you today. God is faithful. God is always faithful. He's so good and loving and caring and merciful. God's got a plan for you. So today, 
I'm going to invite you up here. I, I don't know what you might need to throw off or what you might need to get rid of or what you need to say yes to today. But today is an opportunity to say yes and let God move in your life in a mighty, mighty way. Oh, you can trust him today. You can believe him today. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.